today we are going to be continuing on with our month about grow. Um, we have been uh, 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 holding or taking hold or uh, investigating a vision uh, for our church for, uh, for the beginning of this year that we are looking to expand more and more. And uh, we have called it Gather, Grow, and Go. Gather, Grow, and Go. And we've taken it from uh, the book of Acts. And when we studied the book of Acts, we decided to ask ourselves, what did the first church do in order to become the first church? And there were three things we specifically saw. And that was <clears throat> that they gathered together. They made a commitment to get together. And the importance of getting together, I cannot stress enough. As a church, we need to get together. You may be listening on a podcast right now. You may be uh, broadcasting right now. And it's great that we have these privileges to connect in this way. But if you're able to physically get together with other people, then that's, that's where something happens deeper than you can ever get. It's a little bit like going to a conference. When you go to a conference and you listen to someone or going to a concert, there's nothing like seeing a concert of the musician playing live compared to just listening to it on a CD. There's something more to it. It's the same with a church. Gathering is so important. And then, of course, we are now going on to talking about this month about growing and how they did, three, they did four different things in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, teaching is about when you're learning things intellectually and you're receiving understanding of new ways and, and new thoughts and, and new concepts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then it says they devote themselves to fellowship as well. And the fellowship is the very thing we just talked about, gathering together. Fellowship is when you hang out with one another. And then it says to the breaking of bread. Now, it's not just a breaking of bread convention. They just got, you know, French loaves and they just start breaking them over each other's head or something. It's like, it's an odd term. You don't say, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm breaking bread tonight, right? We don't use that in our culture. But breaking of bread actually meant two things in, in that culture. It meant that they were having dinner together. <clears throat> Who likes having dinner together? I love having dinner together. If any of you ever want to take me out for dinner or for lunch, feel free to do that anytime you want, right? <clears throat> but it also meant that they would take communion together as well. They'd have communion. And, and communion, of course, we know is taking the bread and the wine and remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. But they would blend those two things together, which is why in our culture, we've ended up with doing a prayer before we actually have our dinner because it's part of the communion and part of the just having dinner together. And the last one, of course, is prayer. So they, they, they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. But today what I want to do is I want to kind of springboard off of that to some degree. And I want to talk about two different things today. I want to talk about potential and placement. Say potential and placement. Potential and placement. I want this to get stuck in your head because I want you to understand the scripture about something that Mark actually taught from, Pastor Mark taught from a couple of weeks ago. And it's from Luke chapter 17, verses 5 to 6. And I'm going to be reading from the NKJV, which is the New King James Version. And, uh, and it says in verse 5, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, there's two times this conversation happened. One is in Matthew and one is in Luke. And one of them was when, uh, I mean, a quick context is, is when one of them was um, 
when the disciples were praying for this young boy that was kind of uh, was being, uh, being disturbed and controlled by this demonic presence and they were praying for him and nothing was happening and then Jesus comes along and he goes, booyah, and he prays for the kid and suddenly he's freed from this bondage. And later on, the disciples are like, what did you do different that we didn't do? How is it you're able to do this? And he goes, you're an unbelieving generation. And he said, and then, it, and then this conversation came when they said, but Lord, we'll increase our faith. And he said, if you just had faith the size of a mustard seed. There was another story when this whole thing happened too, when... Um, when they were, uh, 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 they, were, they, were, they were talking about, a, you know, about different things and, and Jesus was talking about how you must uh, forgive those who have sinned against you and you must forgive them 70 times seven. And then they said, that's hard. For, uh, Jesus, increase our faith. And again, that conversation came about. But regardless, this conversation, I believe, is a conversation for us. Regardless of what context or scenario we are in, this conversation is applicable to us as Christians. There was two objects in this story. There was a seed and there is a tree. Most of us, when we're reading this story, only focus on the seed that Jesus is talking about and don't necessarily really go into asking the questions of what is his point about the tree? And I hope to start to pull this apart this morning. I want to talk about potential, say potential, and placement. Say placement. Potential and placement. I want you to understand this and bury your mind into this. So let's look at this. Potential. What is potential all about? In Luke 17, 6, it says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. If you have faith as a mustard seed. Now, I have uh, some mustard here. And it's uh, Ingelhofer, original stone ground mustard with no preservatives. Today's sermon is brought to you by Ingelhofer, original stone ground mustard. So I'm actually sponsored by this company, so I'm obliged to have to talk about a sermon with it. I'm not. I'm not sponsored by this company. But if you're listening right now and you work for that company, feel free to give me a call, right? Ingelhofer, Ingelhofer, original stone ground. It's got a little German guy on there. Original stone ground mustard, right? And so this is a jar of mustard. And mustard seeds are fascinating. I've got a little uh, a bunch of mustard here. In fact, if we've got a camera, we have a, a camera here that can show us uh, the size of this mustard seed. I want you to see the size of this mustard seed right here. It's a tiny, tiny little thing. It'll come up on the screen. And, and really, when you look at it, that's that's the mustard seed, right? It's a very tiny thing, and, and, and it's, that's the shell of it. So what, what makes the mustard seed work is actually inside the mustard seed. It's a tiny, tiny mustard. It's a pretty small. So you can see why Jesus said, if you've had faith, you know, if you had faith like a mustard seed, then you would be able to do the things that I'm calling you to do. It's a tiny seed. Now, when it comes to seeds, I remember a phrase that, 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 um, that I'd read once, and it said this, um, you can count the seeds in an orange, but you can't count the oranges in a seed. Because a seed is all about potential. A seed is all about its potential. A seed is not a tree. A seed is not a fruit. It can't, it can't be a fruit and it can't be a tree. It must become a tree and must produce fruit. But everything that the seed needs is inside of itself. So you can't count how many oranges or how many mustard trees could, could come from, how many mustard, how many Ingelhofer original stone ground mustard jars can you get from a seed? It's infinite, it's limitless. 
You can't count it. There are too many that is locked up inside of that seed, but you can't see it. It hasn't come to pass yet, and yet it's still inside. Many of us ask the question about ourselves of, of, do I have what it takes? Do I have the resources? I can't do what God has called me to do because I don't know that I have what it takes. Listen, what Jesus is saying is, yes, you do have what it takes because I built it into you. You see, God didn't make a mistake when he was making you. He didn't, he didn't make everyone perfect and make everyone capable, but you, you're the one person that he made a problem with. He made, oh, sorry, that one's never gonna turn out very good. Well, we'll just forget about that one and hopefully they'll survive, right? He didn't, no. He made everyone have the potential within themselves. And if you're a Christian, God has called you to be more than a conqueror is what my Bible says. We are more, not just a conqueror, oh no, no, not just your average conqueror that goes out there and conquers things and, and takes over stuff. No, he says you are more than a conqueror. That's like saying you are infinite in what you can do because everything you need I have placed inside of you. God hasn't made a mistake with you. And maybe some of you, it's not so much that you doubt what you're capable of or, or that you're just fearful of actually making a mistake. If I try it, I might actually fail. But the problem with failure is this. If failure isn't an option, then neither is success, Seth Godin says. If you're not willing to even take a risk that will actually allow you or may, might put you in a position you might fail, then you will never take any type of risk and you will never succeed at anything that you desire to do or, or, or succeed at anything that God has called you to do. Hello, you follow me so far? If failure isn't an option, then neither is success. This guy, you know, I was listening to, Seth Gunn, he said, the first shipbuilder was also the inventor of the first shipwreck. <laughs> right? Everybody has to fail at something somehow. If you're waiting for the right time and the right moment and the right resources, you're gonna find out you don't have the right time. The right time is now. It's not to come, it's now. The resources are not to come to you. The resources are already inside of you. The, the, the seed doesn't say, the mustard seed doesn't say, I'll wait until I'm a fruit or I'll wait until a tree comes along and helps me make this thing happen. No, the seed has everything inside of it. A tree can't help a seed to become what it's meant to be. A fruitfulness can't help it. Nothing, there's no amount of money that can make the seed grow. It's built inside of itself. Hello, whatever God has called you to is inside of yourself. That's why last year we called our vision last year, dream big. This year, we want it to become big. We want it to come forth. Let your potential manifest itself in this body. Let it come forth this year. Let it come to pass that you become a seed that becomes a sprout, that becomes a small stalk that starts to grow leaves and becomes a tree and creates fruitfulness that is infinite. Hello. God has called us to be fruitful. The second thing I wanna talk about is placement. Placement, say placement. Turn to the person beside you and tell them it's all about placement. It's all about placement. A seed is nothing if it's not in the right place. A seed has to, it doesn't matter how much potential is locked up inside of it. If it's put inside of a jar and I put it on top of my steak and I chew it and you know, between my two teeth or get stuck in between my two teeth and then I have to pick it out with a toothpick and then I chew it and swallow it, it's lost all of its potential because it's not in the right place for its potential to come forth, right? 
between my two teeth is not good placement, right? Placement is everything for the potential of the mustard seed. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now, the one thing that I find really odd about this is why did he talk about a mulberry tree in the sea? In fact, I thought of talking, I thought of calling the sermon a tree in the sea, a tree in the sea, right? But it doesn't make any sense, right? And that's why I called it about placement, potential and placement. A tree in a sea. And I'm wondering, why was, it, was he just like there, if you, when, he, when he was having the conversation, was he like, well, if you have a, if you have a, a, a faith the size of a mustard seed, you could, mm, oh, there's a mulberry tree. You could put the mulberry tree in the sea, right? right? You know, sometimes you're trying to come up with examples and you can't think of an example. No, I don't think Jesus was just picking things out the top of his head and just going, mulberry tree in a sea. I think he did it for a reason. I think that everything he said had a purpose. He wasn't just talking about your ability to move trees. When was the last time anybody needed to put a tree in a sea? Hands up. Anyone? No, it doesn't make sense. He talked about the tree in the sea because he was talking about the tree being in a place that would not let it grow. It wasn't about the fact that they could move the tree. It wasn't about the power to command a tree just to do whatever you want it to do. It's about that he was showing that your power of your faith is about being in the right place. Can a mulberry tree grow in the sea? Can it? It can't grow there because it's in the wrong place right? And so he's talking about the inverse way of this placement. Your faith is not about the size or the amount or the volume of your faith. It's about the potential being put in the right placement for it to come to pass, to do the things that it's being called to do. What I want to do now is I want to read a scripture that Jesus was that, that Jesus said, no, he didn't say the scripture, but the scripture that talks about something he said when he was referring to himself just before he went to the cross. And he said this, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. So I asked this question, it's great that we have all this potential, but but how do we grow? How do we get in the right place? How do we put ourselves in the right position? And so as I was searching the scriptures, I came across this scripture where Jesus was talking about himself. And he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. <clears throat> and so there were four different things within the scripture that I could see that I wanna talk about now. What placement is about. Number one is this. Placement is about moving your position. Placement is about moving your position. He said, unless a grain of wheat, what does it say? Falls. He doesn't say get planted. He doesn't say uh, unless the grain of wheat decides to become a tree or decides to die. It says unless it falls. Falling is about going from the tree to the ground. From the tree to the ground. When the mustard seed was on the tree, it was fruitful, it was green, it was growing, it was being fed by the tree. But as soon as it wants to become something else, it must die. But it can't die on the tree. It won't die on the tree. It must fall from the tree. It must leave the tree. There must be a disconnect that comes about. 
I remember when I was doing marriage counseling with a couple years ago and they were having trouble in their marriage and they were sitting in front of me and he was from a different country and she was from America and he was sitting there going, you just don't understand how hard it is to be in a marriage where, you know, I'm from a different country and she's from this country and our, our cultures are just clashing and I just don't think it's working out. You just don't know how, you don't know how hard it is. And I was sitting there going, I don't know how hard it is. Have you noticed that I don't speak American? Have you noticed I speak funny? And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot you come from Scotland. I'm like, don't bring your complaints to me on this. Bring me solutions. Bring me faith. Bring me belief. Because that doesn't work in my household because I am from a different country. I've gone through this. So you're not gonna get sympathy with me on this particular thing. You've got to decide it is possible. And I'm evidence that it is possible. Listen, I know what it's like to have to move from a country and plant myself in a different country. It's America, it's wonderful. Everyone wants to come to America. Let me tell you, you miss your family, you miss the food, you miss the culture, you miss the beer, you miss the fish and chips and everything that'll kill you and give you heart attacks. You'll miss the, you miss stuff that really makes you comfortable. You miss stuff that belongs to you. When the problem is sometimes in marriages is that we are often so connected to our past and we bring it into our current marriage that we demand our current marriage, we demand our spouse to have to live up to the things that we desire and we want, which were birthed in the tree, the family tree that you came from in the past. Well, sometimes when I do a wedding, and maybe you've been to some of the weddings that I've officiated, I'll often start with a wedding by saying, could we all just take a moment of silence and remember the passing of this bride and groom? And I'll drop my head. And it's kind of funny, why? Because I'm remembering the fact that they are now has to be dead to themselves. They must be alive to this new marriage. Saying, this is the way my mom did it. My mom used to cook food this way. My dad used to do it this way. Saying, it, this is how we used to do Christmas in our household this way. That doesn't work in your new marriage. It doesn't work in your new family. The Bible says this, that a spouse must leave and cleave. Get, leave, that is to move from your old ways and cleave, hold on to tightly to your spouse, to your family. Create the new family that you're in. It's the only way it works. Jesus is saying this, that unless a seed leaves, unless it falls, unless it moves entirely, doesn't have one foot over here and one foot over there and says, I think it can have the best of both worlds, it doesn't work. You have to be all in with the faith. You have to be all in with your faith. You have to be all in with whatever God is calling you to do. Being a part of your own life is gonna destroy the faith that God has given you. You've got to be all in this thing. Number two, the second placement. The placement is about moving your position. Placement is also about being in fertile ground. Placement is all about being in fertile ground. When the tree uh, decides to let go of that seed and the seed falls to the ground, it doesn't fall to a pile of cash on the ground, right? If you think you've got money problems, Father, if I could just get rid of all these problems, all of these debts, I'll let them go into the past. And if I could just fall slow motion into the ground where there's a pile of cash, and then when I hit the cash, it'll just flutter up on top of me and I'll go, ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> right? We want, we want things to, to change where we move from one area to the next area and everything's perfect. It's not perfect. 
You see, the thing is with, with fertile ground is that number one, it is dead matter. It's stuff that used to live. It's stuff that was dead. Stuff that is dead now. Dead matter. That's what fertile ground is. And the second thing that fertile ground is this, is that it's evidence of past fruitfulness, right? It means that a fertile ground is something that has the evidence of growing things fruitfully. You following me on that? It's evidence that it can produce things. Fertile ground is something that has a history of producing. Who in your life has a record of doing the things that you desire to do or think that you're called to do? If you think that you're called to have a good marriage and you don't have a good marriage, then get around people who do have good marriages. Do you spend more time with your in-laws or even your own parents who had crappy marriages than you do with someone who has a good marriage? Do you spend more time with people who are not, not succeeding in business compared to being around people who have succeeded in business? If you have been called to have a good business, then hang around the people who've got good businesses. If you've been called to be a prayer warrior, then hang around people who are prayer warriors. You may not particularly like their personalities or like those people as, as persons individually, but if they've got the fruitfulness of what you're looking for, then you need to hang around them. Are you following me? Placement is about being in fertile ground. Being in a jar together with a whole bunch of other seeds does not release your potential. There's not one seed in this jar that is becoming what has been designed for it to be. Hanging out with other seeds that are not doing anything and hanging out with other seeds that are not trying to be in fertile ground will never grow your life. Hello. You have to be in ground and around places where it's fertile, fertile ground that is producing trees. In real estate, they say this, that it's all about location, 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 right? Now, I'm telling you this morning, it's all about placement, placement, placement. You have to choose what place you're gonna put your life in. Who are you gonna be around? Where are you gonna be? What's your location? I believe this, that geographical change brings spiritual change. It happened to me. I became an entirely different person when I moved here. I believe in when you can, you can even move house and become a different person. If you're obeying God to go where God has called you to go, you can go to a different job. If you're obeying God, you go to that job, even if it's uncomfortable, and you'll become the things you're meant to become because you're in a different place. If you're just, gym, you're just skipping and going to different jobs or going to different apartments, but you're not changing, it's basically the same story. It's like the same movie. It's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's the same movie, I'll pump you up, right? It's all the same movie. It's the same story. It's just a different title. But if you go and be around different people, if you go around and be, be around different situations and scenarios, it'll put you in a place where you are uncomfortable, and if you're uncomfortable, it means this. This is the third thing you're gonna to have to be. Placement is all about old ways dying. The old way has to die. You can't have one foot in the last life and one foot in the new life. Death is a part of growing. Years ago, I was at a conference where John Maxwell was speaking. He said something, and it just clicked in my mind. And he said, you gotta give up to go up. I used to be the, the worship pastor here and I used to do the music and now uh, Jared is the worship pastor here doing a phenomenal job taking us to the, the next stage and the next level with, a, a, with, a, with our worship community as a church. But there was a time when 
It wasn't the same. It was, we didn't have all these lights. We didn't have all the fancy stuff that's here on the stage. And I remember thinking, God, I feel called to write music and to do series. And I don't know anybody. I don't have the money. I'm not even good on guitar. I don't know how to write songs. How do I do this stuff? And I went to a conference and I was sitting there. And John Maxwell says, you've got to give up to go up. Something's got to die. Something's got to be let go of in order to have the things that God is calling you to. Your ways, your thoughts, your understanding, your reasoning, your power, your money, you gotta give up to go up. And so I thought, I know what I need to do. I need to go spend some of my hard-earned cash and just go get some lessons. So I remember going down, I'm, like, I'm sure lessons at least will help me on the guitar. I'll become better at the guitar. It doesn't mean I'm gonna become a better worship leader or even make CDs or anything like that. And so what I did is I went to, to see this guy, his name was uh, Mike Walker, and, uh, and he started teaching me stuff on the guitar, and my fingers were aching because he was making them do things that weren't natural, right? And I was playing, and he goes, hey, have you ever wanted to be in a band? And I said, yeah, I'd love to be in a band. And he goes, uh, hey, we should start a band together. And I'm like, what? That'd be awesome. So he introduced me to these amazing musicians, and we had a band, and we, we traveled around the country, and then, and then he said, well, let's record a CD together. And we recorded, he got studio time for us, and he pulled all his, all his favors and leveraged all his connections. We were making CDs. And then I started making worship CDs and things just started to come about. And it all started with this. You gotta give up to go up. You can't have the things that you wanna have if you don't die to something else. Something's got to change within you. Someone, some of you are gonna have to die to certain relationships that you've been dependent on, you thought you needed or you thought you were responsible to. You're gonna to have to die to them. And I don't mean just, just get rid of like children or something like that, you know, just keep your children, right, okay? I'm talking about ask God, who should I be in relationship with? Because some of us are maybe in relationships with people that you have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility of helping them out. Let God release the potential within them. You be about the potential that is within you. You can't grow someone else's mustard seed. You can only grow your own mustard seed. Recently, we... Uh, uh, Pastor Mark, I, I, got, I, I said, hey, we're gonna go to a conference in California and we're also gonna go see a church, get on a plane. So he's like, oh, okay. So he came on a plane with me. And we went out to, to California, went to his conference. It was a good conference. And I said, okay, uh, we're actually gonna skip the last day and we're not gonna do a conference. We're gonna go and see a building that is doing a, a church building in a certain way that is completely different than than what I've ever seen before. And, and unfortunately, it's like six hours north, so we go rent a car, and we get in a car, and then halfway there, we break down, and I got a three-hour window to see this thing, and, and of course, the pickup truck didn't come for another two hours, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get there and say, really, I'm really sorry, Tell, take a picture, and I'll just have to leave and go to the airport. And sure enough, I had just under an hour to get there, and I'm like, I really hate to be rude, but can we make this tour really fast? No, no, no rabbit trails, no stories. You hear that, Pastor Mark? No rabbit trails, no stories, right? We have to get this going, right? So we get in there and I'm getting video and I'm asking questions, I'm going around. And, and, and we got these, all these different pictures. And why did I do this? Because God has given us a vision for a new home, a new building, a new church, a new uh, expanded community that we've got. And it's great to have all that vision. But the problem I have is I've never done this before. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what to do. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm speaking to so many different people and it hit me once again that God was saying this, you gotta give up to go up. That means you gotta fly somewhere to get the vision, to see it in, in process, to see it in action in order for your faith to start to connect with reality. Then you need to do it. You gotta give up to go up. Something's got to die. You gotta let go of some money. You gotta let go of some relationships. You've got to give up to go up. 
Remember when he said, if you if have faith as a mustard seed, you'll be able to command a tree to go into the sea and it will obey you. The tree is interesting because when the seed dies, the tree no longer exists to it anymore. When a seed dies, it doesn't remember about that tree. When you die to yourself, you're getting rid of old behaviors, old habits, old sin, old addictions. And let me tell you, some of those things are insurmountable to you. They are way too big for you to overcome. And there's only one person that can do it, and that is the spirit of Christ within you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit within you if you are a Christ follower. But every time you step away and go back into your own world, your own realm, your own ways, you are letting go of that potential, that Holy Spirit that is within you. You've lost it. You can't access that power. You have to die to your old ways. You have to make a decision that I will no longer be in that relationship. If a drug addict has problems with drug addicts, guess what? They need to move neighborhood. If you have a problem with alcohol, don't go to a bar to get lunch. You've got a problem with gambling, don't go to Las Vegas for a vacation. You've got to die to the old life. It's got to be done. There are two hurdles to growth. I was at a conference, of course, this week, and, and this guy uh, talked about growth, and, and he said there are two hurdles to growth. And he said the two hurdles are your heart and your behavior, your heart and your behavior. In Psalms 139, 23 and 24, it says this, search me, God. This is the psalmist writing. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's the heart and your behavior. The problem with the heart is this. You don't really know your heart. If you knew your heart, then you know what the problem is and you go about resolving it and fixing it unless you're just really stubborn, right? But the problem is we often don't know what's in our heart. We don't know the root reason or problem that is causing us uh, 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 to not change at all. Oftentimes what I find is when I'm in it, if I've ever been in a situation and I can't connect with a person too well, I know there must be something in my heart that I'm upset with. I might be upset with them and I'm angry with them or I'm bitter against them or I feel rejected by them. And so it makes me put a wall up and distance myself from them. Or maybe it's because that relationship reminds me of my relationship with my father or mother. I was speaking with someone uh, the other day and uh, who doesn't come to our church and, and uh, they were telling me about the relationship that they're in and they just got out of a relationship and, and she had said, I'm in another relationship but he has just gotten out of a relationship himself. And I said, why, why are you constantly in relationships with people who don't really want to be with you? And she goes, I don't, I don't really know. And I said, well, what I found is usually the relationship you're in is very much a mirror, uh, a mirror example of what your parents' relationship with was. And I said, what was your parents' relationship like? And she goes, oh, yeah, my mother treated my father really badly. And I said, and you feel sorry for your father. And what you're trying to do is save all these men who've been treated by, badly by women as well. And you're trying to save them, but they're not really loving you back, are they? And she's like, how do you know this stuff? Because that's the way our lives work. That's how we operate. We don't know what's in our heart often enough. And sometimes we're angry with a certain situation or we're angry with a person because we haven't resolved past issues. 
There's anger inside of us and what it does. Now watch this. When you're angry or you feel rejected by someone, listen carefully, you don't give your best to them. What does that mean? You're not living to your potential. You're not loving to your potential. You can't get the fruitfulness in your marriage. You can't get the fruitfulness in this current situation. You can't get the fruitfulness in this current relationship or even with your boss or in your job simply because there's something in your heart that stops you from accessing the best within yourself. It's not your boss that stops you from your potential. There is no marriage or spouse that will stop you from your potential. There is only you. The potential lies within you. It doesn't lie within them. It's within yourself. Hello. And if your heart is your stumbling block, you've got to decide, Father, search me and know me. As the psalmist said, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I'm letting you in. I'm gonna let myself be transparent. I'm gonna let myself be an open book to you. Show me everything that's in my heart. And then see if there's any offensive way. Is there something that I'm doing that offends you? Am I acting in such a way? In fact, when Jesus, when they said, increase our faith, he said, if you only had a seed, they said, if you only had a faith as a mustard seed, you'd be able to do all this stuff. And they said, why can't we do it? And they said, because you're an unbelieving generation. It was like he was offended by the way that they acted. He was offended by, and you're like, but, but surely you can't be offended at their behavior because it's all about their heart. Listen, take your heart to God and let it get healed. Let it get restored once again. This pastor, when he was talking about this, he said, my behavior was something that stopped my growth. And he said, I, was having, I had a church and it was a small church and then I was invited to lead this larger church and, and my, my congregation released me to go pastor this larger church. And he said, I decided to go back to my old congregation. I asked them three different questions. I asked them this first question, it was this. What do I do that inspired you? He said, I need to know what did I do right? What, 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 what was I doing well? Where was my potential manifesting itself? And then he said, the second thing I asked them was, what do I do that bothers you? He said, it was amazing how many of them had answers, right? And there was one particular answer. There's always an answer, right? Uh, Ask your spouse, what bothers you? You'll get an answer instantly. Whoa, I'm glad you asked, right? And he goes, what bothered you? And they said, you know what? Sometimes when we're having meetings, it just seems like you turn up and you're not even prepared, He's like, what, prepared? I'm, I'm off the cuff type of guy. You know, I'm like sparking ideas and coming up with new ideas. That's the type of person I am. They went, yeah, it doesn't work for us. It might work for you, but your behavior might not work for your family. It may not even work for your boss. What do I do that bothers you? The last one he asked is this, what are my blind spots? What are things that you see within me that I cannot see? things that I don't know about myself. Well, these are hard questions. But you see, feedback is powerful. We want it, but we don't really want to ask for it, right? I want to know what I'm doing wrong, but I don't want you to know what I'm doing wrong. But the fact is, they already know what you're doing wrong. You don't, which is why it's your blind spot. You following? Last one is this. Placement is about being connected to others. Placement is about being connected to others. Now, I've find this a strange one. You might look at this and go, I don't see that in the scripture. But it says this, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it remains alone. Now, I have never looked at a grain of wheat or, or, or this mustard seed and went, oh, this, this seed is alone. Where is its friends? 
Where is its mother tree that's abandoned this seed? I just feel so bad for this seed right now. It's an orphan seed. <laughs> it's just so bad. No one has ever said a seed was alone before. Jesus is the only person I know that described a seed as alone. I would have said the seed is suspended. The seed is, is now dead. The seed has now moved from the tree to the ground. But I have never said that a seed is alone. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand this. Pastor Mark said this years ago. He said, education is interesting because it shows where people's hearts are. He said, poor people go to school because they have to. Middle class people go to school to get an education so that they can have the resume and the keys to open up the doors that they want to open up. He said, but rich people go to school to meet the right people. If you go to school and you're around the right people, the right people will not only inspire you and grow you, the right people will also open up doors for you that you could never open up for yourself. It's great that you can get an education. It's great that you become smarter and I encourage everybody to do that. But education is something that you will just become knowledgeable at, but you'll not necessarily become wise. See, wisdom is the use of knowledge. That's simply all it is. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. But wisdom is something that comes from people, not from knowledge. Hello? Wisdom is something that comes from the Spirit of God, from revelation, from deeper understanding, not from knowledge. How much knowledge have you, how much, how much mathematics have you gathered uh, when you go to school and you learn all about these different formulas and trigonometry and you learn all this stuff? How many of you are using that stuff? Not many of us. This is maybe if you're a carpenter, you're in the construction industry, you're like, oh yeah, I need this angle and that angle. But the rest of us are like, I don't remember any of that. But you got a lot of knowledge. And that knowledge is not being used, it's not being converted to wisdom. Wisdom comes from other people. Rich people, and don't get wrong on this one, it's not about people who have money. Riches are not about money. Money is just one of the outcomes. It's just one of the fruits of being rich. That's all. Rich people look for other people who can grow them. Rich people go to school so they can meet the right people. That's what I love about the story of, uh, what's his name, Bill Gates. Bill Gates dropped out of Harvard. Why? Because he met the right people at school and he decided to start a business. He didn't finish his school. But it seems a bad idea. You want to finish your school. Is that not what your parents do? Make sure you've finished everything you need to finish. I'm not trying to go against what they've told you. I think it's a good idea to finish your stuff. But if you've met the right people who then open up the right doors, you then allow yourself to manifest the potential that is within you. One of the things I want to encourage you to do is to be the dumbest person in the room. Who thinks they're the dumbest person in this room right now? There's a lot of dumb people here this morning. That's good. If you're the dumbest person in the room, you're in a great place. If you're one of the smartest people in the room, you're not gonna grow very well. If you are the smartest persons, if you are the smartest person in this room, this is not the place that you're gonna grow very well. It's great that you're here to give your knowledge to everyone else, but you need to be in a place of fertile ground where you're the dumbest person in someone else's room. You need to be in a group. You need to be in a church. You need to be in circles. You need to be in mentorships with other people who are smarter than yourself because placement is not about attendance. It's about connection to other people, connection to other things that can give you greater things. 
I love the way that this whole scripture finishes. And it says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. You know the amazing thing is about this little seed that I've got in my hand here? The infinite potential that lies within itself, it doesn't have to work at. It doesn't have to go, now today I'm gonna plan out to try and put one root down. How should I do that? I put the root down. How do I do it? I should get a book on roots. Growing roots for dummies. Let me do that. Let me get the book and I'll grow the root about, you know, for dummies and I'll get my roots down there. And then how do I get, how do I sprout out? How do you sprout? I don't know how to sprout. How do you sprout? And how am I gonna get my leaves? How am I gonna grow? It doesn't have to figure this thing out. Why? Because the potential is inside. Everything it needs is inside. Everything that God has called you to, all the dreams that you have about being an evangelist, about being a minister, about being a great father or mother, about being a great provider, about being a business owner, it lies within you already. Jesus said it's not about how many resources you have. It's not about the size of the faith that you have. It's about the fact that you put yourself in the right place. And all the stuff that stands in your ways, old trees, all the things that stand in your way that are no longer producing good fruit for you, you can command those things to get into the sea and be broken away from it. Hello. Let me tell you, today, this year, is your year for allowing your potential to come forth. Last year, prophetically, we called it to dream big was our year last year, to dream big. This year, that dream now needs to come to pass. Your potential needs to manifest itself. And Jesus has showed it, the, 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 the Acts, the book of Acts has showed us how the first church did it. They gathered, they grew, and then they went. They gather, they grow, and they go. We've got to gather together to be connected together. We've got to grow together. We've got to be in the right place so that God can make whatever's inside of us to come forth, to go. Are you following me on this? Let's all stand as we, as we end our service this morning. The questions I want you to consider this week are the three questions that pastor gave that I listened to. And he said, I want you to go ask your mentor, what do I do that inspires you? What do I do that bothers you? What are my blind spots? I'll tell you why I want you to ask that, right? Because today's all about growing. It's all about grow. Have you ever been to the mall and the mall is so freaking big, you don't know where to start, right? At least women probably never think that. It's not big enough. Guys are just like, I'm in fear. I've been in the mall, and I'm like, I need to find a store. And I don't want to get distracted with any other stores. Where is this store? Where is it at? What's the first thing you do? You go and look for the map, don't you? Go look for the map. Where's the map? Where's the map? There's the map right there. Okay, what, where am I looking for? I'm looking for... Uh, scented candles. Okay, there's the scented candle store right there. The scented candles. Okay, what's the next thing you look for? Where you're at. You're looking for this little arrow that points to your dot and says, you are here. If you want to get to where you want to get to, you've got to take account of where you're at now. You've got to know, am I still stuck on that tree? Am I still holding on because it's more comfortable, because it's safer? Or have I decided to let go and fall, to move to a different place, to humble myself, to allow myself to die, to be alone, to be completely abandoned, to start over again? Let me tell you, you're now in the right place. If you're in on the ground, you're in the right place. 
if you're dying and you're dead, you're in the right place. If you're still fighting and struggling, you're clinging to that tree. God has called you for such great things. You don't know how you're gonna produce. You don't know what's gonna come to pass. You have no clue what God has got for you. He's got great things in store for you.